0: Before we get into it are we is anybody listening to us anymore <laughs> well welcome back everybody to the r cat Cast playoff edition all right playoffs
1: it just feels good to say that and I'm still on cloud nine i I still can't believe i mean it's i don't know it's just it feels good to be back in the playoffs and have a win like that was wasn't even very something that happened a whole lot anyway Let's, let's Not in right. our lifetime. No, no. But I'm just—I'm still <laughs> giddy. That's all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> well, for those of you who are first-time listeners, uh, you have the two Ryans here. Um, I'm Ryan, and I'm Ryan. Is, yeah, often <laughs> referred to as Thorny. <laughs> um, but uh, we're just glad you're uh, coming on and uh, listening to our catcast and just the episode that we have coming up. So, thanks
1: for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. Right on, Thorny. What are you drinking tonight? Well, since I was back in Missoula, um, I only get to go out to Montana about once a year these days. So when I do, I buy about $100 worth of Montana beer, and I just load up the trunk as much as I can shove in there and come back. And tonight, I was able to secure myself a a Dragon's Breath. Mm, you ever, from Bairn. Yep, yeah, from Bairn. You You've had that? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's really no, good. No, it's not. I don't like it. Of course you don't. <laughs> It's it's not bitter.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember having it one time, and it was not my palate at all. Mm. It was just yeah, it just tasted. Well, I'm not gonna say anything too uh, too bad about it, but it was it wasn't my cup of tea.
1: I'll just put that. <laughs> oh man, I missed it. It's a good hefeweizen, dark hefeweizen.
0: Yeah, right on. I have the single
1: hop uh,
0: pale ale from Bitterroot. Which happens to be one of my favorite brewing companies out of Hamilton, Montana. It's just a really solid um, pale ale. So, love it. You can find it over here in Spokane. And it's, you know, even when I lived in Montana, it was typically in my fridge. And happy to see it over here on the shelves. And picked up a sixer of it this week and
1: enjoying it tonight. Nice. Yeah, I got some cold smoke. Uh... Couldn't find a whole lot of other stuff at the one store I went to. I was hoping to find some Bozone Amber, but probably not in Missoula. (laughs) Do you have a favorite all-time Montana beer? Uh, The Bozone Amber is definitely up there. Really? Yeah, I like that one quite a bit. And Cold Smoke, probably my one at number two. There you go. I like Moose Drill, but it's kind of just overplayed, but it's good too.
0: You know what? I was thinking Moose Drill might be mine. It's one of those – I mean, I put it in the – same categories like fat tire. You know, you saw a fat tire and moostrel come onto the scene roughly at the same time, at least in my estimation. And so, you know, Moostrel gets overlooked quite often because it's so, you know, ubiquitous in in a sense. But man, it is such a good brown ale. And when you haven't had it for a while and you go back and have a cold
1: bottle of Moostrel, and it is just so delicious. So
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of Moose
1: Me too. Uh Fat tire, that just triggered a memory uh back. I don't know how often you made it over to the Molly Brown. They had their their daily 375 pitcher when I was in college. And those were the best days when it was fat tire. Just $3, $3.75 for a pitcher of fat tire. Then you go and get like a thing of peanut shells and you just just crushing peanuts. They're, just, they're all over the floor because everyone just throws them on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped doing that. Even when I was in college, they cleaned like no more peanuts. Tired of cleaning up shelves, I imagine. <laughs> Do you remember like smelling like the Molly
0: for like a good two days afterwards too?
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. The worst was the old, um, oh,
0: the, was le- it the, the,
1: broth? the legion, I think was real bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> when, it was, when it was downstairs, it was just like a sauna down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Those were the days, huh?
0: Yep. <laughs> yep, they were. Okay, well, let's get into this uh, Incarnate Word recap and just get us started there. We had
1: 25 first down. That that has to be a season high, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> you know, ever since Matt Miller took over the reins on the offensive coordinating duties, we've hit that 20 mark pretty regularly. So, But I think 25 has been our top mark this season.
1: Yeah, we were... A while like we're averaging 15. I think we just keep pulling up the average. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, so yeah, we end up with 25 first downs. Current word only had 13, but that's that was kind of their MO. They're not a big first down team because they're a, a big quick strike, long scoring team. Um, but it's good to see them only at 13 anyway. They only had 16 yard, 69 yards rushing. We ended up with 339, but they did have 313 yards passing and they were they were moving the ball on us pretty well there for a little while, so that was. Um, An area of concern. Uh, We did have 174 passing. Troy Anderson's probably his best day, I would say, throwing the ball by a decent margin. Like, he just looked like a quarterback. Uh, We'll definitely get into that a little bit later. I mean, really, the big key differences here were their four turnovers, the three fumble recoveries. I think they fumbled it three times, lost all three, and then Conkel had the interception in kind of garbage time, I guess you could say, when they're trying to come back there in the end zone. Um, penalties were another big thing that was pretty, pretty, um, surprising. There was a lot of penalties during this game. They had 13 penalties. We had nine, 22 penalties combined. I don't, that's the h- highest number I can remember in quite a while. That's a, that's a lot of penalties. There was that, there was that one series where they were, they called like three penalties and they took like 10 minutes trying to try and figure out how to assess it. <laughs> <Yeah. I laughs> you remember, remember, that? remember that? Yeah. One. yeah. But Big Sky refs would have put us like in the end zone somehow. So kudos to them for figuring out actually where we're supposed to be. And then the other one that jumped off the page was the time of possession. Again, uh, that's one of the stats, kind of like Eastern Washington, that they don't excel at just because that's not the nature of their offense. But to see us have over 41 minutes and then they only had 18 was pretty pretty good to see it, pretty dominating, really.
0: Well, that's a good defense is when we can limit their offensive possessions and time on the field. That's always
1: a good thing. Yeah, what What did we run? This doesn't have the stats there, but I thought we ran like almost 30 more plays than they did. I thought I saw I have that somewhere. I the same somewhere. stats you did, so like, I don't know. I saw that somewhere. We had a lot more plays run than they did, which is crazy. Like That's the, most, like the highest amount of plays I think I've seen this run. Well, I
0: believe it. We ran a ton of plays. Uh, we were stringing together drives. We... You know, some of them were aided by uh, timely mistakes by them. You know, a couple pass interferences, a personal foul here and there, on some key like third downs that we weren't converting there, that kept us alive. And, like I think in the third quarter, that came to fruition a couple times. So, but yeah, I mean,
1: we sustained some some big drives. So here we go, eighty-six plays to their fifty-four. Whew. Yeah, thirty-two more plays than them. Yeah. You're going to win most of your football games if you have 32 more plays than the team you're playing against. <laughs> you would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. They could run 10 plays and have 70 points. So you n- you never know. That's pretty much what Eastern Washington did to us that one year. Yeah. But just a dominating performance overall. Um, a little slow start again. But uh, we did come out with that special team play right off the bat. That was a pretty – Spectacular play.
0: (laughs) All I got was this smiley face emoji from you. Uh, Right when I got back into my house, I was uh, going out to Jimmy John's. I got a sub sandwich, and I just see a smiley face. I'm like, well, we must have done something good. (laughs) And then the next text I get from you, you go, our defense is getting waxed. (laughs) And I'm like, what? What's going on here?
1: Watching the Bobcats is an emotional roller coaster, all right? It is. It (laughs) is. Yeah, it was a block punt by Nolan Askelson and mm-hmm. he like hit the ball straight up in the air and he spun around about three times trying <laughs> to find it. It was pretty I know, it was so funny looking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you ended up seeing like the replay? Oh yeah, I've watched the game twice. since then. he's like where'd to go, where to go, where
0: to <laughs> go, where to go.
1: Nobody had any idea who the ball was except for McCutcheon. And he just Very times good. it and just catches it on the run and just like waltzes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly. So we get the so, defensive or special teams touchdown there, blocked kick, um, and then the safety. So was it wasn't. It was nine to zero, or was it nine to seven for the safety?
0: It was nine to seven because they came back right away and scored, tied it up on that next drive. So we started the game with three and out, kicked it to them, had probably the best defensive sequence we probably could have asked for in that first sequence, ending in that special teams touchdown and, but then they came back in, had a really nice response right there and marched down the field and, you
1: know, strung together that drive and tied it up. That's right. That's why I complained about the defense right after the fun special teams play. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because we were at, without a lot of starters in that game. And I know, uh, incarnate word was as well, like their, their stud quarterback. Um, I think they're, the running back ended up going out too. Like he's like a candidate for like Southland player of the year or whatever, but he went out too. So Dickens? uh, Yes. He he like limped off at some point. I think he came back in for a little bit, but um, I don't think he had many touches. So let me ask you
0: something. We were uh, without those players, a lot of starting players. And even some of the starting players that got, you know, quote unquote starts, played very few snaps. Let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think we were holding them back a little bit or do you think it was just like, they simply couldn't
1: go? I've wondered that. I honestly think that there's a little bit of strategy involved in that. Like it's not so dire that you need to play these guys that probably could go, but you know, if they go and give it everything they got, then we have nothing left against North Dakota State. So That's true. I think that it was probably a wait and see type thing. Like maybe Yates would have come in if they were just eating us up in the run game in particular. And we needed Yates's presence back there again, but James Williams performed well. I think he's going to be a great player for us. Oh yeah. Um, so he played well. Um, man, our secondary was just missing all of the dudes that we have. So it was like Filer and Damien Washington got the start and, Ty Okada, who hadn't even like played, <laughs> <laughs> he's like I'm playing cornerback now. Just puts his helmet on, runs off the field like a like the water boy, basically. But <laughs> he plays like the like the entire game because there's nobody behind him. I imagine except for maybe the the Gibson twins who are redshirting and probably aren't even ready to play yet. But they all play well. Pretty they got well. some time on.
0: Uh, like one of the Gibson twins got a tackle on
1: an open field tackle on special
0: teams. Really. Yeah, it was I think it was Tyrese. Was it this game?
1: Yeah. huh. nice.
0: I know, yeah, I was pretty pleased with Okada. Uh, we got beat on the seam route twice, and I think those were both the times when they went for big plays, both resulting in fumbles. And so <laughs> I can't be too mad, but those they got some huge chunk plays on the seam, and I don't know if that's – if that's a uh, Ty's fault
1: or a uh, Conkle's fault. So no, you, you, it's hard to say like, the, is that the linebacker responsibility supposed to be hovering around the middle, but they, they definitely beat us on that. And the Grizz kind of beat us a little bit on that too. So it's kind of a, is that kind of the soft spot in our zone coverage? Clearly we, get, we need to adjust that because North Dakota state will pick us apart with that kind of stuff. So I don't know where the breakdown lied, but yeah, they definitely had some big gains on that. And we were at this point, we're not really fortunate anymore to get turnovers, but they were fortuitous for sure that we, especially that one that went down like the five yard line, that, uh mm-hmm. that Conkle just came up and just, just popped right out of there, just punched it.
0: Man. That is one thing I have noticed from this team. They go after the ball with such ferocity and I was like, why haven't we been doing this? It seems why haven't we been doing this, you know, for years? And maybe we have been trying to do this, but it seems like there's a bigger emphasis on it right now. And it, they're just coming, you know, it's just like producing
1: on a regular basis. So it's really fun to see. It seemed like it was after like right around, was it the Idaho game that we just hadn't had hardly any, forced any hardly any turvers. We hadn't even forced a fumble like five or six games in the season. And all of a sudden now we've forced like eight fumbles or something ridiculous like in the last five games. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, there, there had to have been an emphasis on there. Like don't worry about making the tackle as much, just try and pop the ball. I don't know, but we've been just stripping the ball left and right, making hits, getting helmets right into the – helmets on the ball, popping the ball out. It's been really good play.
0: Yeah. Not only that, we have a lot of guys swarming to the ball. And so it's when they, when it has come out, we often are right there to pick it up.
1: Yeah, yeah, and almost. I think almost every single fumble has been forced. We've gotten on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rare that we force a fumble and we don't get it back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've been really impressed with their defense's ability to take the ball away. I'm still a little concerned that that's their only way to stop somebody. It's sometimes it just seems like we're getting beat up and down the field, but then we force a turnover and the, just stop the bleeding. It's like if we don't get those turnovers, we're going to get blown out of the game.
0: Yeah, I don't know if
1: I really but agree with that. But that's part of the game plan. I mean, that's how Eastern has thrived for years. They're a little different this year, but that's, you know, they give up tons of yard on defense, but they always, like, led the league in turnovers first. So yeah. they're, it's opportunistic was kind of the style that they played, and I feel like that we're kind of moving towards that ourselves, getting up some big plays, but getting a lot of takeaways in the process.
0: But, you know, there's something that you're not factoring in, and that's the confidence that uh, defense – and the team as a whole right now is feeling, and I just, you just can't measure that. So, you know, I think a lot of those are just because of guys just playing with some swagger right now, and it's just working out however you slice it. <laughs> we're
1: just rising to the occasion, and I think they believe they can. Yeah, as long as the swagger doesn't turn into penalties, which is yet again an area of concern. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we had 95 yards of penalties. That's just way too much. I mean, Incarnate Word had 109 yards worth of penalties. It's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. So we got to clean that up. Everything was ridiculous in the penalty department for both teams, but it's we have to clean it up. We, we keep looking like the team that is the better team but can't play to our potential ever because of silly mistakes that come up again, in particular – Uh, penalties
0: yeah like in it's always seems to me like when we're either in first down when we uh, you know make a long first down so we'll get like a procedure penalty so it's now first and 15 or last game we had a couple right in the red zone where it would be like a personal foul like lewis kid throws that guy on the ground after the play we went from first and goal to first in like 18 then And it's still first and goal, but we need 18 yards. And fortunately, uh, you know, Travis Johnson's able to uh, run it in. But holy cow, that's just like, that's a killer, (laughs) you know, that takes, that takes almost a sure touchdown away from, you know, cross your fingers, hope and pray we can get this touchdown. So that kind of stuff
1: bugs me to no end. I, I think it was actually Troy Anderson had a touchdown run and there was a penalty that wiped it off the board, but then Travis Johnson ran the next play in anyway. Oh, yeah. So regardless, but the yeah, but <laughs> kid still had a personal foul. He did, yeah. He drove a guy. When like, first and goal. He just yeah. drove a guy. He just kept blocking and blocking and just drove him to the ground. It uh, On camera, it didn't look that bad. It looked like something that happens like on every play, but it's just kids uh, can't get yourself in a situation where the ref even thinks about throwing a flag. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to talk about our offense
0: and what what it is going to take in order for us to get going against NDSU. So here's my thought. We don't really get going until Troy can prove he can pass the ball. Until he can prove he can pass the ball inside the game, they stack the box and we really struggle to run the ball because they know what we're going to do. And, you know, I've talked about this all season long on this cat cast. Um, Even when Troy Anderson came back after Rovick, I was like, stack the box, stack the box. It's easy defense. And that's exactly what they do. I mean, if I can tell it's coming, you know, defensive coordinators easily can tell it's coming. So Troy has to prove that he can pass the ball and not just bubble screens, but we got to move the ball downfield. And so, and I... I predicted this last week, and it came true. I said, I feel like they're going to come out conservative. We're going to try to test the running game, test the running game, test the running game until we have to pass. And this week, I feel like we need to be just the opposite. We need to come out passing more balanced and then, you know, make them honor the passing so we can open up those run lanes.
1: Well, we ended up wearing Incarnate Word down. They had a DE, a defensive end. Like, that big guy was just wreaking havoc on us in the first half. And was it number
0: two or number 12? We had
1: two of those guys. Yeah, number, were just, number two was the defensive end, and number 12 was their stud linebacker who was just flying everywhere, sticking people. He was a player. Like, I was oh super gosh. impressed with that guy. And Both of them. They just looked huge and strapping.
0: I mean, their arms were just it's so big. They were so tall and so fast. I was like, oh, my gosh. Well, that,
1: that's how all those Southland teams are, like the good ones. I like guess south, south or Sam Houston State was. They were just... They had these DNs that were like 6'4, 260 or 250. They weren't real big necessarily, maybe even 240, but they're just ripped because they're just, there's no body fat on those guys. They're just lean athletes. And not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily make them the best football players, but they definitely present problems against um, some, definitely uh, some tackles. So it was, they presented some problems, but we were able to eventually wear him down, figure him out, wear them down. But, uh, what I'm trying to get to is we're not going to wear North Dakota state down like that. Cause they're just going to roll defensive tackle after defensive tackle because they go three deep at every position. All three guys could probably start on any big sky team <laughs> it's just, that I don't think that strategy is going to work. But that only came after
0: when we could prove we could pass the ball. I mean, if you look at the first half of the defense, our first half versus the second half of the game. And in the second half, we really started passing the ball and we hit some really nice plays. Uh, it started at the very end of the first half when we hit Travis Johnson on that, that long route that set up the touchdown right before half, which was critical uh, in my opinion, but you had to complete those because they were really stacking the box and we weren't getting anywhere on there. No, those, those two to three yard runs became four to six yard runs uh, in the second half, after we softened them up, and like you and like they say that that term, we were leaning on them, and leaning on them. Yeah, I get that, but they still—if we couldn't prove that we could pass the ball—I I don't think they were going to have you know total success against the run all that all game. So those two to three yard runs would
1: remain those two to three yard runs. Yep, definitely, and. I think they just, I also think they got just tired of trying to tackle Isaiah Infante. <laughs> that just does not look like a, like a fun assignment. And he just eventually started wearing them down. Like he wasn't really moving the pile all that much in the beginning, but even the piles that were on him, there were still three guys on him, those started moving more and more. They went from like two yard gains to six yard gains because they were just getting tired. I mean, he carried the ball 30 times for, um, the stats here say 174. I've heard Coulter say that somebody got a credit for a run on accident or something. That's 147. I don't know. But either way, he ran for 140-plus you know, yards. He just eventually just wore them down. Well, I think it was they gave that, uh, Ty- uh, that Burgess carry credited to Anderson. from what- Yeah, because I'm looking at it. Tyrell Burgess only has five yards on the stat sheet. Can we talk about Burgess for a quick second? That was a, whole, he, that was a nice little run.
0: When he got in? His change of speed from what we've been seeing all year
1: is like it popped. It I was did. Like,
0: wow. He just holy cow. Where's that coming from?
1: No, he's a different athlete that we haven't had. Like I love Logan Jones, but even even him is like Burgess is just another guy. Like he's just a different different level in has terms he been of hurt his all
0: year. Am he I has. Right?
1: Yeah, he's been. She's okay. been injured. So it's not oh. like we haven't wanted to use him. He's. It just seems like he's been kind of injured on and off his whole career. So far, I think he's only like a sophomore, right? But he's just hasn't got to play very much because he's been injured and he's still been picking up the offense. and There's just been lots of guys in front of him. But he's going to be a guy that's going to be important for the type of offense we have because we need a speed guy for the edge. Yeah, We, we needed somebody to, <laughs> to go around the edge, and Logan Jones isn't going to be playing anymore. Tangent, what do you think of that? I think it's a good call to have him redshirt. Oh, yeah. I I do, too. Um, It's a tough call, but you also have to realize that the odds of us getting the national championship this year are minuscule. Thorny, I I
0: don't want you to speak of that right now. And I just don't feel like that's that's a good thing to say. So I'm I'm going to call you out
1: on that. If I was a coach and I'm looking at that, I want Logan Jones for next year because I don't think – I think next year is going to be an even more impressive year, and we're going to need him next year.
0: Okay, I do believe that too. And you know, I feel for Tyrell Burgess a little bit. The guy coming over from Florida, you know, trying to make his way, hasn't got that many touches in his two years over here. You know, that kid's just got to keep grinding and you know keep his head in there because eventually it will pay off for him. It will. And I th- I think some of the those kind of kids who you know, don't come in as like high recruits and don't get to touches early or, you know, fall to injury and just have a tough go of it, especially those kids that come from those warm climates and then come up to (laughs) Montana State and Bozeman and, you know, things are not panning out the way they probably had in their head. It's probably easy to get down. And so I just, if any of those guys are listening, you know, just keep in there because there's a lot of respect from us fans um, for you and It'll turn around. So
1: yep. keep just, at it. Just keep grinding. Keep believing in the process. You know, Ch- Cho will find a place for you if you prove that you are – that you want it. I mean, that's, you know, none, that really would it come down to. Cho just wants guys who are winners and who want, to, who want to be out there and who want to play for the team and who buy in. So it's not necessarily going to be the best athlete on the team. It's going to be the guy who fits it the best. Yeah. So it's about the attitude. And Burgess has, clearly he has the physical tool. So, you know, just keep grinding, man. For sure. Yeah. And if nothing else, you're going to come out of Montana
0: State University with a degree from the best university in Montana. That's right, the biggest. The biggest, the best. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a win-win
1: situation regardless, man. So keep at it. Yeah, it was nice to see him. Shane Perry got a carry. He looked pretty quick on his little one carry he had too. I mean, those are gonna, those are the guys that we're going to have to try and since uh, Patterson's out, we've we got to find someone who can do what Logan Jones was doing. Mm-hmm. And that's it's going to be between like Burgess, um, Tucker, they kind of tried to use him a little bit in that same way. And Perry, it's too bad we don't have Willie Patterson because he's another guy who could do that kind of stuff too. Um, and Coy Steele got a catch, right? Yeah, he, got a, he had a catch. So maybe he's someone they could use kind of that boat too because he looked pretty fast.
0: Now, his catch... Was that like a little toss from Travis Johnson? Because Travis Johnson got recorded a passing <laughs> stat. I think that's like one of those fly sweep things where you just pitch it forward
1: and it gets recorded as a pass stat. It was. I'm looking at the stats here. Johnson, one completion, 10 yards. Coy Steele, one reception, 10 yards. Boom. There you go. I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Detective. <laughs> so... Yeah, we had a whole bunch of guys get some touches. I don't know. It's, it feels really good to be able to win this kind of football game and lots of guys are seeing time because that's that's another element to building a program that we haven't had. We, we aren't able to get the blowout wins where we bring in all the backups. That's just really not the kind of offense we play or the kind of team that we are. So how do you get those guys lots of reps? You just rotate them in lots during the game. And this particular chance, the guys ahead of them were injured, and they got to play the whole game and came out and looked really good, and that's only going to pay big dividends even against North Dakota State, especially in the next year.
0: You know what we're doing too, Thorny, is we're building a culture that's now expecting wins, expecting success, and now maybe even expecting playoffs. Yep. And I just think that's so invaluable. I came away on Sunday – And I was just thinking, man, we just won a playoff game in convincing fashion with a lot of backups. And that's, (laughs) wow. Like, I mean, in the playoff wins I've seen, except for the one where we played Furman and just waxed them back in 2006, I believe it's been tough sledding in every single one of those games. If not, you know, we got blown out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thanks Sam Houston state. Right. But, um, it was really cool to see the win and the fashion that we got it. Uh, we, we just piled it on them and just never gave in. And it just, it reminded me some of, I hate to mention it, but it just kind of reminded me of some of those grizzly wins back in the day when you would just watch it. And, you know,
1: eventually the better team just, just overwhelmed them. Yeah. The grizzlies like Bob, Bobby, Bobby strategy was almost to like kind of build a lead and then just kind of, play ball control, it almost reminds me of that 2010 playoff loss to North Dakota State where we were playing right with them and they just eventually just beat us into the ground and just ran all over us, scored like 30-some points or whatever in the fourth quarter. That's, yeah. that's kind of what it reminded me of. Like we just I, They were still hanging around a little bit there, but we just eventually just imposed our will and just ran away with the game. The lane started opening up because they were just tired. They looked beat. Mm -hmm. they looked worn out (laughs) and that's, I mean, that's what Choke basically has said is he wants that kind of program, the North Dakota state type program. And interestingly enough, um, I want to segue into something real quick. Courtney Messingham. I had a thought about him today. Like I know everyone's talking a little bit about the dynamic of he used to coach here. Will he know us? Will we know him? That kind of stuff. But he kind of got, I won't say he got ran out of town, but people weren't very happy with his play calling. But now that you see what Cho wants, the type of offense he wants to run, you kind of go back and, and think in your head like Messingham was actually a perfect hire. We just mm-hmm. didn't have a quarterback for him. No. He, because you can see what he can do with an offense with a team like Cho wants. So, but he ended up with Chris Murray. <laughs> and I love, I love Chris Murray to death, but he is not that quarterback. No. He's not the guy who's going to stand back there and be an efficient game manager type guy like all those North Dakota State quarterbacks are Brock Jensen and Carson Wentz and all those guys. So he couldn't really adjust to fit Murray, and that's why he ultimately left because he saw an opportunity. But um, it's interesting because, yeah, it's like no one was real happy with him at the time, but. You think back like he could have done really well with a guy like maybe Tucker Rovik or uh, Casey Bauman.
0: I get the feeling that those two guys still might not be our quarterback next year, and it makes me a little bit sad for for them because I know how much work they put in. But if we're bringing in two, you know, two guys right this week on <laughs> that we're trying to sign. I don't know. The quarterback position is weird. You know, you you root for guys internally, and like I've been a big rovid guy, and I've been rooting for him, rooting for him, rooting for him. <laughs> but you, I, I guess you just either got to produce or not. So, and and when it comes down to like the Choate led teams, guys got to believe in you. You got to be a leader. You have to be unequivocally a leader of the offense. That's what's made Troy Anderson so special. Is He's just believes, and guys believe in him. In it's like, did you see uh, would we beat the Grizzlies? How many players when uh, Troy was doing this interview after the game? How many players would just come up and just like shout into the camera and just total jubilation, like best quarterback we have, you know, or something like that. No, you know, it was just like I didn't watch a lot of post game. Oh, I love it! I revel in the post game. Uh, Derek Marks. I had one of the, or yeah, I think it was Derek Marks had one of the best quotes of the whole the whole year. Is that beating Montana has become the standard? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, just, I was like, yeah, that's that's such a such a cool thing to say and uh, whatever about that, but it's just Troy Anderson has has that it factor, and whoever our quarterback is next year, that needs to be. That needs to be that needs to be there that the quarterback needs to be the unequivocal leader and the and the men on that team need to trust him in all facets and I think that's a large part of our success right now is we we trust Troy and he's just getting so much better, and so it kind of begs the question like so what do we do and I still think Troy's going to move back to linebacker. I still think that's the game plan. I think that we'd be silly not to. Because if you took an objective view on this, Troy's still not a great quarterback. I mean, okay, I'm probably going to get blasted because he was voted first team unanimously, <laughs> all big sky. But in my perspective, if I'm judging a quarterback, he's still not a great quarterback. Uh, he's a great leader. He's a great winner. But is he a great quarterback? No, he's kind of an average quarterback, and he's getting a lot better, no doubt. He's a great runner. Uh, Mediocre passer, then it's getting better. You know, I'll, I'll give him that. Um, fantastic leader, so he does have the intangibles. But for the office, we're we're trying to look or trying to produce some kind of guy who can drop back, you know, do the play action fakes and push it downfield. it's not Troy Anderson's skill set. So uh, I still think the net gain of him going to the defensive side of the ball or even taking snaps at a running back is still greater. Uh, in that than him playing quarterback next year.
1: Oh, I agree. And I definitely really want to get into this when we have like our season review episode or whatever we're going to call it. But it it's it's definitely gone from like, oh, this is the most frustrating offense ever. Get Troy Anderson out there. I don't care. Put in Kevin Cassis to throw interceptions. Come on. Somebody do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a guy to go two for nine, you know, put put anybody in there. <laughs> but it's gone from that to like, do we do this next year? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's it's like been successful enough. So let's, I kind of want to review some of the, how impressive it is really that we're even in the playoffs. Our starting quarterback for two years is academically ineligible, whatever you want to call it. Our transfer quarterback that was going to push him and then slash replace and breaks his foot. Travis Johnson <laughs> and then And then um, our starting middle linebacker, kind of the glue of the defense, is hurt for the whole year, and we just keep having, like, hits like that. We've been missing a lot of guys. Miss, I'm missing somebody. There's a couple guys that I've been injured on and off all year, but I'm trying to think of any of the major guys we lost. T- Tucker Rovig broke his foot. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Rovig. <laughs> right as he's starting to come on, he breaks his foot in practice of all places. So just for the, those kinds of things to happen – and for us to still be winning in November, make playing our best football in November and making the playoffs is has to. You have to give a lot of credit to Choate and the coaching staff. You have to give a lot of credit to Miller. Circling back to Choate for making the decision to elevate Miller. It's it's been it's been pretty impressive for <laughs> what kind of just patchwork offense we've had to actually cultivate an identity. A, because that's what we had been lacking all season. This is kind of, what are we doing? Is Troy just in here just until Rovick is ready? Like, what the hell are we trying to do? Until all of a sudden, like, this is who we are. It may not win all the football games, but damn it, we're going to do it. And that's who we are. And I, I love that. And it is winning, though. <laughs> We've only lost one game with Miller, right? Like, Idaho State. With all what you just said,
0: we are an 8-4 and four ball club
1: as we stand today. Yeah, in the second round of the playoffs or the first round, whatever you want to call it, playing a game, you know, we won a playoff game. And we're, that's pretty impressive. I don't care who it's against. I don't care that they're missing guys because we're missing guys too. Like, yeah, they lost their starting quarterback. We're, we're playing a linebacker. Right, so <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to hear any quarterback excuses from anybody. <laughs> so, Jeff Choate
0: deserves so much credit. Um, So many times when we sit here and question his calls and he just sticks to his guns, pans out, man. I mean, we're one play away from not being here. I mean, that's one play away in the Cat Gris game and we're we're seeing a different tenor. But man, Jeff Chote, that guy's vision, his his ability to galvanize a team is so impressive to me the way the team is talking right now when you watch the pressers okay and that's the thing i just revel in when you watch the pressers when you watch Travis Johnson did you watch
1: Travis Johnson's presser i didn't have a chance to do anything it was just like a long holiday weekend and a busy day at work so i didn't okay so go back and okay go back and watch the post
0: game interviews it is so cool to see how much the guys just love the team and how much they're just believing right now. I, it's, it's intoxicating to me. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. and It is something that my soul for the Bobcats has been yearning for for so long. And then when I watched Choate today in his Monday interviews, man, I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, man, this guy – we are so lucky to have Jeff Choate as our head coach Because the man just gets it. He gets where he wants to go. He has an articulated vision for the program. He has a plan to do that. The man is pressing, pressing, pressing for financial backing anytime he can to get the facilities and advantages that (coughs) our our brothers across uh, the hill have. And, you know, it's just... He's a man for the job right now, and I think for the foreseeable future, I hope we can keep on to him. I think we can. I think he's invested in Montana State. Uh, I hope he's that long-term coach that just stays here and produces. He had a, such a good quote today. Um, he said, "When you combine exceptional personnel with tremendous commitment and great coaching, you win championships." He knows it, and he was talking about NDSU at that point. He was, but you know, when he, when he said that quote his whole demeanor changed, and it was, you know, he's putting his hand down and he goes, this is what we have to do. And he's building it that <laughs> he is building exceptional personnel. He is having a tremendous commitment and, you know, surrounding himself with the great coaches and everybody right now is just buying in. I, there's no greater time
1: to be a Bobcat in my opinion than right now. No, I haven't had this optimistic of a view. Like it's, it's easy to forget really how good and how exciting we were back in those Daenerys McGee days, but they always, you know, the great regular seasons that were just, all right, we're just, you know, you just knew you were going to beat pretty much everyone in the regular season. And then you get to the playoffs and like you said, we squeaked out a couple of wins and then it got thumped. Mm-hmm. So here we are squeaking in the playoffs and then winning a playoff game convincingly. So it's like, it's a good time to be a Bobcat. And I am excited for him to, really get just keep getting more of the personnel he wants in there to really start to win and win handily like just dominate i feel like mm. we can get there yeah like a team built for championship not the kind of finesse team that ash had or the spread team cuz ash just ash kind of let his all of his staff kind of dictate the style for him, like he didn't really seem to have an offensive identity himself necessarily. He just brought in guys, and he let them kind of take over. And that's we kind of change all the time. And I think it kind of created some continuity issues. But Joe if he's going to bring in a guy, he's going to bring in guys that are similar and just keep executing his vision. And absolutely, there's a difference. And that's
0: the vision of Montana State: strength, toughness. Accountability, you know, that's who we are, and it's uh, something that the kids are buying into. Travis Johnson said in his uh, post game, he goes, "I haven't had this much fun in a minute," and I just, I just sat there and I laughed. I mean, that guy's just having so much fun playing football right now, and what a cool story! <laughs> I'm so happy for him, you know. Yeah, me too. It's just so happy for guys like that, and it was, you know, regardless of what happens this weekend just the trajectory that uh, we are going as a program, the arc of Montana state football and the arc of Montana state in general, it's just, you know, it's, it's a good time to be a Bobcat.
1: And I would like to to my own horn here. I've been on the, I think I've been on the Johnson bandwagon for a few weeks here. I'm glad everyone else seems to be coming around to it. (laughs) (laughs) I've just been impressed with him. I knew he was just going to get it together. And he's really, it's just that touchdown catch was awesome. We haven't had a catch like that. All season, no, it's phenomenal. We haven't had a catch like that since maybe. I mean, that was like a a catch that Mitch Herbert like just lived on. Like every single game, he'd have a catch like that. He'd use one hand to do it. But even even him, when he came over with like Murray, just those kind of plays just stopped. I don't know if it's kind of the offense we ran or just continuity issues or what. But we've just been lacking those. Holy cow! I can't believe he caught that place. Maybe it's just because we weren't even. Give the receivers much of a chance. I want, I did notice like this is two games in a row where we ran a play, it didn't work, and then we ran the exact same play at this exact same defender for the exact same. I guess there were two different receivers in categories, but this is Johnson both times here, wasn't it?
0: No, the first one was McCutcheon. Was and
1: it? Yep. So maybe that's what it was in your games. So maybe that's kind of the strategy is see if we can get to McCutcheon and then t- what, uh, tire out the defender and then put Johnson on him and just blow by him. Because Johnson nope. blows by people. He is fast. Gosh, yeah. He's so fluid, too. He's just, like, sneaky fast. Like,
0: when you watch him, he doesn't have that uh, quick step. Well, he kind of does have that quick step, that, that twitch that Tote uh, cho- calls, but he's just so sneaky fast to me.
1: Well, so. I, I think it's more of a product. He's just a big kid. Yeah, and he's girls. also bigger than you think he is, too. Like, everything about him is just deceptive. Like, he's, like, 6'2", Eighty or one ninety? No, he's like six two two ten or something. He's a big kid. Two oh five. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not small, and he's fast. He runs by people. He's fluid. He just makes it looks. He just makes it look easy. He doesn't All even right. look like he's trying out there, and he's just running by people. So I keep I can't get it out of my head
0: because you said that was like one of our best catches. It kind of rivals to me. Rovig dropped a dime to Cassis in the back of the end zone, right in front of the goal post. Do You remember that one?
1: Which game? Had uh, to, Wagner had to be Wagner,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, no, not, dropped not it not in. Something.
0: Cassis touches his, his toes or one of them and scores, and was just that was that game where Cassis just had so much fun. He
1: was just getting balls all over. Well, he's going to be an important piece. So we're talking about all this culture and stuff like that. Well, we're basically playing what the team are aspiring to be. What the hell? How do we beat them? <laughs> what do we do? So. Uh, Chilt had a great
0: quote, and I wrote this one down, too. He said, this can't be about North Dakota State. This has to be about us. And I I, I believe it. Uh, It has to be about the Bobcats. This can't be about, oh, we're going up against NDSU. This has to be about us in this moment, this time. This is – the kids are believing. uh, And we got to go out there and just – you know we're we're David and accept that role and let's just go knock them off. You know, screw the Bison. Bison is if, if they want to you know get on <laughs> me for that, it's time. Let's let's just go. Let's go punch them in the mouth and just keep punching them mouth for the four quarters and let's get after them. I think we can.
1: I think it's going to come down to some kind of like intangible stuff like that because we're riding high at partway through the season. I think so many people had written us off. I mean, it really, at this point, it's almost like playing us house money. You know, it's like bonus that we're even here. So, like, we have nothing to lose, nothing to hold back. We're going to go in there and just play fun like Johnson, just have fun and just play loose and see what happens. And we're going to play the style of football that we've been playing. And, you, you, I mean, they play the games for a reason, obviously, but it's it's going to be a tall task. But it's I think those are the kinds of things that give us – chance.
0: Well, I think you said something important. If uh, playing with the sense of fun, if we go in there uh, if we go in there nervous, if we go in there thinking oh my gosh, this is NDSU you know, we're not going to do well. If we go in there just going you know, it's as our our friend Driscoll Cat would say it's all gravy from here guys. (laughs) With that, essentially that kind of mentality I mean, we could we could surprise some people. I mean, talk. we've been talking so long about making a statement win. And this is, one, <laughs> this is something I don't want to talk necessarily about today, maybe on the season ender, whenever that happens, because um, I have deep thoughts on this. And I could spend probably 20 minutes just talking about this just by myself. But what a chance to make a program win. Not <laughs> to set you up for years to come. If you go in and knock off NDSU, <laughs> I mean, it would be absolutely paramount to anything I've seen
1: as a Bobcat. Well, there, if there's one thing that I am confident the choke team is going to be is unafraid. Like he schedules hard, much harder than we had under the previous coach. Like he's always bringing in quality, Missouri Valley football conference teams. But I think part of it is because that's the kind of program he wants. He wants that, mm-hmm. that type of program, the Western Illinois, North Dakota state type football team. He gets mm-hmm. those teams in there. He doesn't play division two teams. He wants us to continually measure ourselves against teams. He wants to be, he, he wants us to be an elite team. So he needs to measure and to see how things are done at this level at the teams that are successful. And I think it's starting to pay dividends. And here we are, with an opportunity to really measure ourselves and you never know come out the win but worst case scenario we see what we need to be we see how it's done so to speak
0: yeah i guess i i worry a little bit like if we really get whooped up on having all this momentum i mean there's two ways you could take it right there's one way you say okay We just got our butts kicked. This is where we need to go. That's a positive direction. Like, okay, we can fix this. We could get this guy, you know, recruit, recruit here. Uh, Emphasize, emphasize, emphasize. And then build upon what we see as our weaknesses. Or you can say, uh, man, we just got whooped up on. We are a long ways away from getting to where we need to be. So there's two different ways. And I'm sure I'm guessing. And is a smart man. I, I know which way he's going to choose. But, you know, it all has to play out next year. And so we'll
1: see what happens. It's interesting. All of a sudden we're thinking about this is supposed to be there. He kind of turned the corner. And we may have. but it was like just later in the year. So next year I think this game is either going to really build upon that corner that we turned or – like you said, maybe it could possibly derail it in some way, but I only think that there's I think this is a win win game no matter what happens.
0: I so don't think it'll derail just the fact it. that we're here. Yeah. I think this is going to just be like blood in the water. You're just gonna be like, man, I just wanna I want that taste again. So we're just gonna we're just gonna be hungry for it. It's just gonna be the expectation. The expectation now is we beat Montana and we go to the playoffs. Yep. Done. That's, so that's the standard. That's the standard. Let's make it happen. And I know the guys who are on our team that they're just, they're not going to settle for anything less. We have the group of core guys coming back and it's just, we're just going to get done, man. Once you get to that mentality and that's such a thing that has driven so many championship teams over the years, no matter if they get down, they just understand they're like, well, we're going to figure it out somehow we're going to win this game. And when you get to that mentality and you believe in it and it actually does happen and it comes to fruition enough times it's, you become somewhat unstoppable. Yep.
1: No, you're absolutely right. And that's kind of where we are right now. I think it's like, mm-hmm. that's kind of mentality we're building towards. And I can feel it. I can sense yeah. that team, sense it in the
0: team. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I I totally, I totally agree. It's not something I would have sensed back. <laughs> like if he was mid-October, no. Oh,
1: good Lord, <laughs> no. The-
0: uh, I wish we could have the month of October back in terms of football because uh, I just wish we could have it back, or maybe not. You know, maybe that's those times in the month of October. Maybe that's what we needed to
1: get to where we are today. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what led to Miller being, or, or being promoted, and I'm not sure we finished the season. And we maybe we win the October games and then we fizzle out November. It's It's just hard to say.
0: I'm so glad we're not fizzling out in November. I've never seen a Bobcat team that I've cheered for peak at the very end of the season. Uh, And that's exactly what we're doing right now. And it's exciting to see. And I'm really, you know, I'm really excited for us to take on the number one team in the nation. And, you know, granted, I think if you would have had to ask me if we could have a different path, (laughs) yeah, I probably would have taken a different path, but there's something nice knowing you're going against the best team in the nation and arguably maybe at one of their peaks of their prominence. I mean, they got so many starters that they're going to lose
1: next year. We're playing a really good team. We're going to know exactly where we're at. Come oh, they, Saturday. No, they have so. a ton of guys. They have seniors. They have like Easton stick is a senior. Um, that stud linebacker. No, that linebacker's not seniors, but Menard, their defensive end is a senior. I believe um, both their running backs are seniors. They're big time. Wide receivers, a senior. I mean, they just got receiver or seniors everywhere. Yes. So, I mean, this is a team that's been there, done that. They know what it takes. They're playing at home. They've only lost like one time in the playoffs at home or something like ridiculous like that <laughs> since they joined Division FCS. It's it's pretty astronomical, just reading about the stats and stuff. And it's not it's not meant to like I'm not taking it as like an intimidation type thing. It's just that they're just tough to beat. And well, you just read those. Like, it's just going to be a very big matchup, problem. Yeah, I did. I did like with their coach. I watched a little bit of the of some sort of coach's show, and the the reporter guy asked him, like, you know, do the defensive backs, you know, maybe a quarterback who doesn't pose as big a challenge. And their their coach Kleinman, he he came back and said, like, you know, it's actually the opposite. The guys, are, those guys are going to have to play the best game they played all year, because he knows that they're just going to leave them one on one. He said they're just leaving it on an island. So. Clearly, he just planned on stacking the box and leaving his guys out there and hoping that they can contain us. Yeah, that's why we need to come out early
0: and prove that we can pass. Until we do that, it's going to be tough sledding for the Montana State Bobcats. Yep,
1: if we come out there and just try and establish a run with a a Fonz up the middle, it's going to be a long day. Mm. (laughs) You know what? Here's the catch,
0: Thorny, is we have nothing to lose. NDSU has everything to lose.
1: It's true but they are not going to be playing nervous whatsoever, in my opinion.
0: Maybe not, but it only takes a couple guys to maybe feel that in some way. And, uh, you know, the football game is – this game is a game of players, as Choate likes to say. (laughs) And Man, you never know. You never know. Like, everybody says we have, like – Coulter says a point zero five. I mean, hyperbole, right? And you, you today said we have like a one percent chance or something, like one out of ninety nine, we win this game. And then I come back and say, I think twenty five to thirty percent chance we win this game. That's crazy. You're crazy. I still think. I still think twenty five to thirty <laughs> percent chance. I'm sticking with it, man. All right. I yep. just think. I just think we are going to come in, uh, I, no doubt NDSU, is more well-rounded than us. They have the tradition on all faces. I'm not even going to go through that whole thing. I just, I just every we, single
1: facet. Yeah, I just literally, we,
0: yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but I don't know if they want it more. <laughs> I don't know if they want it more than we do.
1: So, well, that's definitely going to be a key factor. I mean, that's why. That's why you play the game. You know, App yeah. State. App State never beats Michigan if they don't play the game. So, right? You never know. So let's uh, let's end tonight with some bold predictions. Bold prediction? Did you write one down? No, I'm going to say that. (laughs) Neither did I. (laughs) Anderson goes for 175 passing yards. Oh, my gosh, Thorny. Do you have to go over this every week? Yeah, you do. Man, do you always
0: pick anderson to go with like these passing yards right. and then it never pans out
1: i'll change for you then
0: no i don't want you to uh i i, I would love for troy to go for 175 about, passing
1: yards. okay we hold ndsu th- under 28 cool i like that it's bold bold like this dragon's breath dark hefeweizen Man, are you done with your beer? Yes, I mine, I've, I've like, been I'm done. Like, yeah, I've been done for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I know. I
0: wish I had a – exactly. I was like, man, I need another, but I can't go downstairs right now. It's going to – yeah, it's just, that could be good. All right. Uh, my bold prediction would be we force I, st- I still think we're going to be on a turnover bandwagon. I'm, we're going to do two turnovers. We're going to get two turnovers.
1: Is that really bold at this point? Or is it bold because it's North Dakota State who, like, doesn't turn the ball over at all? Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. I I'll, I'll, If anyone listening here doesn't know, um, it looks like I think North Dakota State's only turned the ball over, like, eight times all year. So two Thank turners you. over in a game would be pretty bold. Not only that, I think it's a game in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're a team that is built for that. It just depends on how bad we get down in the beginning, if at all. But uh, if we if we're around in the fourth quarter, you know that's where things could get interesting. Okay, because both teams have guys that are used to finishing in the fourth quarter at this point. What's your key to the game? Oh man, it's like hard to pick out one thing that can win. Um, the key, I mean, what we've been really riding on. I'm gonna have to go with turnovers. That okay. just that seems to be the catalyst for both the offense and the defense. It gets a short field. It gives us momentum, it's like really what we've been thriving on right now, so winning the turnover battle
0: I'm going to stick with establishing the pass early
1: yep, that's also very key, but even if we, even if Troy Anderson, those are 250 yards, if we don't get any turnovers I still think we lose (laughs) (laughs) so who knows though, I'm I'm not going to say it
0: man I think we're
1: going to win, let's go cats alright, yep, I'm going to I'm going to say we're going to win just because this is the Bobcat podcast. Damn it. Oh boy. Going all in. Yep. All right, buddy. All right. Well, it's exciting, man. Playoff football's back. Bozeman back to the Bobcats and man, it feels good, doesn't it?
0: Uh, I can't describe the feeling. I really can't. It's been it's like that like ever-present thought in the back of your mind like you're just always excited about it throughout the day. So, Uh, Good job, cats, on just doing what you're doing. Thank you, Jeff Choate. If you probably never listen to this, but (laughs) man, I'm so impressed by you. And uh, go, cats!
1: Go, cats! All right, see you.